They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good evening, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. Joining me this evening, we've got the uh, wonderful Steve Tancock, who's uh, looking refreshed after his week away on holiday in an area that didn't have the greatest of Wi-Fi coverage, which is why Steve wasn't with us last week. The voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset and subbing for Dan Kingdom. We have a very special guest. It's Peter Wanless, Somerset Committee Member, uh, CEO of NSPCC, Knight of the Realm, and have I missed anything off, Peter? Oh, that's plenty, isn't it? That's a fine introduction. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Great honour. Yeah, uh, Dan is currently at the Cooper Associates County Ground watching the uh, England against India women's ODI. Uh, so uh, we roped in Peter. So uh, I hope we uh, we go gentle with him, Stephen Anthony. It's it's, uh, it's his yes, first time. <laughs> um, so three T twenty since we last ro- uh, broadcasted or. Uh, one against Hampshire on last Friday night, then a great win against Kent in the Fog down at Canterbury, and then the wheels came falling off in a pretty spectacular batting collapse down at Chelmsford. Uh, Peter, shall we start with you? Were, were you at all of those games or just a couple? I was at the uh, Kent game and I was at the Essex game. And I'd been to Surrey the previous week. So for, for me, I, I live in Kent. So uh, my heart's in Somerset, but my kind of body is in the southeast. So I sort of think of myself as a bit of a roving reporter. Um, when those fixtures come up in uh, in the southeast of England, then uh, I'm there if at all possible. So between us, we've got the whole country covered. Myself and Anthony in the southwest, Peter in the in the southeast, and, and Steve up north. Uh Pete and Anthony, what did you make of the Kent game there? Was it literally as foggy as it appeared to be on the TV? Because we, were, we weren't necessarily struggling to, to make things out, but you then have the enhancements of the TV cameras and the lights and everything like that. So uh, being well, sat in the commentary box in the crowd, how bad was it? There was a time when the umpires were conferring about coming off a bad light. And um, I asked my uh, radio Kent colleague, Matt, Matt Cole, as to whether players had ever actually come off a bad light in the course of a, a T20 game and we didn't know the answer but it'd be interesting but they were on the point of it it was a bit like it was a sea fret it was a bit like being at Hove when the when the sea fret rolls in um, it was quite eerie that um, didn't seem to affect the players very much you know there weren't towels in evidence it was much much wetter at Chelmsford last night than it was at, uh, at Canterbury on Monday night I thought it was very misty and I was up in the committee room which was quite elevated and we were wondering if perhaps it was a bit clearer at pitch level than than at our height but I, I was very uh, worried that it was going to be cooled off I mean you might say we were we were lucky in the sense that it that the the mists cleared for um, the innings when we were batting having said that we took some spectacular catches uh, I mean, the fielding was absolutely <laughs> exemplary, and and I thought the team were. I mean, all all the focus is understandably on Banton and Conway for an incredible um, batting performance. But 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 some of those catches that they took, you know, of a white ball through a grey sky, um, really superb. 
And the, but there was one six. I can't remember who is it, who hit it now. Where the the, the uh, fielder on the boundary at uh, deep backward square leg just shrugged his shoulders because <laughs> he couldn't see it at all. <laughs> no, nobody saw it, including. Uh, I play, I've played in plenty of teams where people just shrug their shoulders when the ball's hit them, Anthony, so don't worry about it. It's always a hazard at Kent as well when the ball gets lost in those um, retirement flats, which are built incredibly close to the to the pitch, and there were certainly a couple of prolonged uh, delays while they were scrabbling around in the gardens to try and find the ball. Yeah. Steve, yeah. welcome back. Which, which, game, which game would you like to start with? Should we go back to um, Friday well, night in Hampshire and where it all uh, started, Tom Banton's return yeah, to form? Yeah, as I said to you when I was emailing you this morning, the problem I had without wishing to demean any part of the wonderful Southwest was that the best signal we could get was E for the 90% mm -hmm. of the time where we were staying. So my following of the Hampshire game would be three or four balls of Anthony's commentary, then it would drop out, then I'd frantically go to the app, nothing would happen, and then... 10 minutes later, another 20 runs and a wicket would have happened or something. So I actually lost the last two overs, which was incredibly frustrating. <laughs> but having watched the highlights and, and caught up as much as I can, that to me was a landmark victory. I think that's the sort of win you need in, in a competition like this to give you confidence. And yeah, Essex last night was basically that harmer over, wasn't there, where... Yeah. There was, th was it three wickets, four wickets in the space yeah, of no time at all? And Green got out first ball the next over, didn't he? Yeah, and that's going to happen occasionally in T20. But, you know, as I always try and look at it, you look at a team without Roloff, without Tom Abel and without Hildy. If we'd have said in our preview show, we're going to go into the competition or through the competition with those three missing, you wouldn't really rate things very highly no, and I... chances so i'm i'm still accentuating the positives it's a shame because surrey lost last night if we could have won that would have catapulted us forward my only gripe is and you'll know what's coming when i talk batsman why there isn't george bartlett playing mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you know we've got no experience on a totally what anthony was saying last week will smead is great you know all of a sudden he's developing at a rate of knots but surely uh, George Bartlett's experience, especially if he's likely to be the 50-over captain, he should be in that side in this situation to me. And I don't, I don't get why not. He was in the squad, so I presume he travelled. I don't understand why. I don't understand why he's be, why Ben Green has been preferred to mm. George Bartlett. Because Ben, ben I, Green's not bowling, is he? No, he's not bowling. And Bartlett is a much better batsman. He's got all the shots. All the young, all the young batsmen do. I, I don't, really don't understand it. I mean, Lewis Goldsworthy, uh, he looked a bit out of his depth last night. He batted, batted quite well, but you know he's useful because of his slow left arm. So you, you know, I, I'd keep him in, but I don't see much point in playing a bowling all rounder, which is basically what Ben Green is. Um, yeah. You know, ahead of a, you know a batsman who can score quick runs. Classily, which George Bartlett It's asking a lot of Lewis to bat Lewis Goldsworth to bat him at four in a T twenty with Smead Smead above him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. One um, thing I would say though, Ian, that I picked up from Monday night, I this is taking nothing away from Tom Banton, who was sensational, but Devon Conway's contribution to that hundred was immense to me. You could see how much he was talking to him and, you know, keeping him going and uh, I 
I suspect that's what Banton needs at times. And just, you know, don't get carried away. You could see when he was in the 80s and 90s, it was, don't throw this away. We're, we're there now. You know, make sure you get your 100. We've got plenty of time. Don't worry about the net run rate. Whereas Banton au naturel would have probably tried to win the game in the next over three sixes or something. And I, you know, I mean, look, I haven't got enough praise for Conway from what I've seen of him this summer already. Very similar so, um, Yes. That, that, um, had the same same influence on him. And uh, I think, you know, I think he misses that. But, mm. you know, James Hildreth ought to be the ideal opening partner for him, but then Hildy's injured. Mm. Did, mm. Does anybody know what he did to his hip? Because he was only out there for about half a dozen balls on Friday night and didn't look to do himself a mischief or anything like that. So was it, did he trip up the stairs on the way back to the dressing room? He might have happened? done it batting, might he? He might have turned, turned and tweaked it and then went out to field and suddenly felt it go again or something. I don't he think... had ice on it, which suggests it's muscular. Mm, he didn't come out to field. I think I noticed Ben Green coming out straight away. So, mm. Well, mm. All no, the best, Hildy. Let's hope you're uh, <laughs> joining, uh, joining the queue outside Jamie Thorpe's office, uh, which includes Tom Abel. Do we know anything about Tom... Well, he's, he's unlikely to be fit for next week. That was from Jason last night. And what about Phil, Roloff? Phil. Do we know anything uh, about Roloff's side strain? Is that on the mend? Uh, um, jo Josh Davies should be okay for next week. He's he's got a he was he got a nasty blow on his foot in the Hampshire game, but he should be fit for Leicester. I don't think he'll play tomorrow night or Friday night. But he's very very important for the Leicestershire game, which is. The big one, absolutely. So let's quickly um, recap the uh, the South Group for the uh, Vitality Bass. Kent are top, play ten, thirteen points. The Gloucesters are second uh, with twelve points and having played nine. Sussex Sharks eleven points, played nine. Surrey eleven points, played ten. Those are the top four that would currently go through to the quarterfinals. And then Somerset are bang mid table in fifth uh, with ten points from nine games. Essex Eagles, 9 points from 10 games. Glamorgan, 10 points from 8 games. Middlesex, who we play uh, Friday night at the Cooper Associates County Ground, 5 points from 9 games. And Hampshire, who are currently playing Surrey, 5 points from 8 games. Do you think we will qualify, Peter? Yeah, I think we've got every chance of, of qualifying. I mean, uh, I, I've been really impressed. In the, in the three games that, that I've seen... Um, we've really looked like a team, you know, pulling together, very spirited uh, in, in, in the field, purposeful. I, I, I had a real worry, you know, one and a half games in that, you know, people are quick mm. to kind of jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, it's all hopeless, we're useless and, and, and all the rest of it. And um, uh, but, but I felt there's a real... Um, strong sense of purpose in, in all these T20 leagues people take points off one another all the time I mean mm. look at the IPL it's uh, going into the last game you can usually find all eight teams have got a chance of, of qualifying so yeah I think I think the margins are fine I I think that you know last night I you know uh, that there was that over from Harmer, as you say. I, I think Gregory. We were sort of side on for that, and the ball that Gregory got was appreciably slower than anything else in that over. And I think it just sort of caught him out, and it and it bounced up. And I'd say, you know, it was a good ball, and he was 
and he was unfortunate. Um, there were at least three, and at half-time, I thought, like everyone else in the kind of chatter, we're 20, 30 runs short. But the Essex committee, they were all um, uh, feeling that we had enough. They'd mm -hmm. failed to chase 150 on two or three occasions already this year. They were saying that Essex wicket is a belter when, the, when it's warm and the sun's been out, but when it gets a bit damp, all sorts of strange things can happen. And they were very unconfident. Um, so maybe we might have had enough if on another night there were, there were chances to overturn Lamanby and Max, which all of them were hard, mm. but they caught them in the mist. You know, <laughs> they just didn't yeah. manage to catch them last night. If they'd caught two of those, which were maybe four or five out of ten, um, chances, um, the game could have been very different. So I, 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 I don't feel that it was a complete disaster. I, I detected a good sort of spirit out there last night, as well, obviously, as on Monday night. So, yeah, I think we've got um, every chance of qualifying. And, and as you say, that is with quite a considerable um, injury list. So in the words of Meatloaf, <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Um, I'm optimistic. Yes, we're going to we're going to go through. J Jason Kerr was very scathing of his of the bat batting when I spoke to him afterwards, mm. and you know this was for you know this was for real. This was uh, recorded, saying it just wasn't good enough, and some of it wasn't good enough. I mean, the shot that Ben Green got out to was shocking, and Marchant de Lange. Marchant. I, I, I said uh, as he was walking out, well, Marchant, you know, he's only got one way of playing, but I hope hope this evening he'll show a bit of common sense and responsibility. And next thing he does, it, it is straight up in the air. I mean, yeah, I said, I said to the committee that. No, I sorry. I said to them. Uh, I said, "Marchant will hit the first ball to long on or long off," and uh, and, and sure enough, uh, he did. At that point, they were saying to me, "Well, who's going to win the Euros?" You know, <laughs> it, it was uh, it was a lot easier a prediction than uh, than than that. I think so. Yeah, I suppose perhaps what the Essex committee were reflecting is um, how um, irresponsible or kind of um, poorly thought through some of their batting has been chasing as yeah. well as the uh, think, as well as the wicket. The other factor was the wet ball. It was it was very difficult for for it was much more difficult for the summer Somerset bowlers. I think we might have had a chance of defending that if it hadn't rained at at, at half time. Mm -hmm. It still wasn't enough runs. I mean, the batsmen were still culpable. I mean, it was an appalling mm -hmm. collapse, losing four wickets going from 111 to 112 on on that on that pitch. I take the point about uh, about Lewis Gregory, um, but you know Lewis. <laughs> He bowled well against Hampshire at the death, the, the last over there, when you know they needed eleven, and he went for three. I think that was a, that was a superb over. But that's you know that's been um, just about the only thing he's contributed so far, apart apart from his um, captaincy. And um, you know it's it's a bit worrying, not just in the context of the T20 blast, but much more important, in my humble opinion, the county championship, uh, where he'll presumably be captaining the side against uh, Leicester next week and quite probably, I think, against Surrey the, the week after. And, you know, we need him in form at the moment. He isn't firing with either ball or bat, which mm. is worrying. Well, we'll come to the four-day uh, championship game that starts on Sunday against Leicester uh, in a second or two. But uh, Dan may not be with us in, uh, in person, but he is here in statistic and he sent us through some, uh, some <laughs> great stats about the... Um, 
the win over Kent at Canterbury. So, uh, what have we got here? Five. So, I'm not going to try and do some sort of top of the pop style countdown. Stat number one 169 is the most runs ever scored in a 10 wicket win in the blast. Number four Somerset are responsible for the most 10 wicket wins in blast history with four. There have been 17 in total, and Gloucester and Lancashire are next on the list with three each. Number three Banton and Conway's partnership of 169 was the highest unbroken partnership for any wicket in the history of the blast. Number two no county has more T20 centuries than Somerset's. And I'm going to quiz you on this. How many have we got? 14. 11. Uh, 10. Right. None of you read down. You all got sent this well, email I today. I did, but it's a long time ago and a lot's happened since then. It's 13. The next most is, oh, the next most is 12 by both Essex and the Gloucesters. And number one, of course, it was it number five? I forget which way I was doing them around. It was our first ever in 18, 18 years? 18 years win at Canterbury in T20 cricket. Yeah. And then a couple of thoughts on the Hampshire win. Uh, Banton back to his best. Will Smead, we'll have a little chat about him in a second. Uh, bowling wise, made Hampshire panic. Uh, good variation from the bowlers. And Gregory, the death bowler supremo, return. Uh, Kent, relief to win at Canterbury, tough conditions, bowl well, Gregory excellent, Banton sensational, and the Essex, Dan's put the Essex win, unless he's switched to being a, an, an Eagles fan halfway through his email, I'm calling that a typo, uh, had a platform, naive shots, calls, collapse, batters had time to take a few balls to get in, felt like it, we were desperate to get 200 when 180 would have been enough, exactly right, maybe thinking back to the Essex Surrey home games where 180 wasn't enough, but in those conditions at Chelmsford, it probably would have been. Uh, not overly worried, though. We're still in a good position after winning four in a row. Every team has bad days. We will learn from it. Ultimately, I was expecting to lose at Canterbury and win at Chelmsford. So the other way around isn't too much of an issue. Dan is spot on again. I couldn't understand yep. why um, the Essex fans were shouting, Trigo! All the way through, but then I realised it was actually Eagles that they were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten they were called the Essex Eagles. Well, they didn't. They didn't even call them Essex at all on the live stream. It was uh, Graham Gooch and someone who I vaguely recognised, but I couldn't quite put a, a, a name to the face. And they were like, "Oh yeah, well the Eagles have not had a great start of the season, but you know we did beat Somerset, and you know and they're out to redo the Eagles again, and now hopefully the Eagles are this." Every other word was Eagles. You should have been. You should have been listening to the commentary with me and and. Well, I was cricket commentator. I would have. I would have done. I normally. I. I did. Uh, I think it was the Middlesex game, the first game. I did sync up your BBC commentary over um, Adam Collins and uh, the chap from Sky Sports, whose name escapes me. Um, but unfortunately, I was a bit. Uh, the kids were playing a bit merry hell last night, so it was TV, TV downstairs, phone, TV in bedroom. So um, when the. Uh, You've got to mention Ian, and as as did Steve. You know, yeah. oh, thank you very much. Very conscious of his unsolicited <laughs> mention of us, Ian. Oh. Somerset fan club. He's this gone. is just an excuse to drive us to BBC Sound so we can have a listen. I will. Uh, I'll. Uh, I'll uh, endeavour to download it and have a listen, Anthony. But Dan actually got on TV uh, today, glimpsed in in the background at the women's ODI, which isn't what we've got. I've got the uh, Hampshire Surrey game on at the. Uh, uh, by the way, while you're looking at that, Ian, you talk about 
were saying about teams having bad days. Yorkshire, who are far and away at the top of the North Group, are currently seventy-one for eight, and that represents a bit of a recovery. Because these two, these two have put on sixteen in three overs. Don Harry Bess again. Brooks carrying the, things. Uh, Don Bess has been and gone. Oh, Don yeah. Bess went for two. Uh, 19, 4, 4, 8, 20 not out, Nought 2, 2, 2, and 9 not out is the scorecard at the moment. And, you know, that's a headingly, that's a, a good Yorkshire side. Uh, is it a headingly? No, it might be at on but uh, but it just proves the point. And I think, I think if you played some minor counties teams in the T20, they would win a few games. It wouldn't be like the old mm. Gillette Cup where you played Shropshire in the first round and, you know, it was all over by tea time. And there was hardly ever a minor... Devon won a couple, I think. It was hardly ever a minor... Yeah, Devon beat Leicester. They tied, I think, 150-ish. And Devon won. They lost one fewer wicket than uh, than Leicester. But it, the shorter the format, if we get down to Anthony's beloved T10, <laughs> you know, the four of us could probably give Somerset a decent game because that's, that's, that's how it works. Um, Tom Abel was playing in it, and Tom Banton, and Lewis Gregory, and there was bugger all else at the time. We've heard all the excuses, Anthony. We've heard all the excuses. I just know you've got a. What was one of the. Uh, what, what are the teams called? I can't remember the teams now. The Peshawar Panthers you know, was the one I remember. Or a Peshawar Panthers shirt Deccan, hang up on your Deccan. wall. It's the Deccan Chargers that Tom Tom Abel was playing for, and he bowled the tenth over, the death yeah. over. Went for one. While we're talking about economical spells, how good was Marchant on Friday night to not pick up a wicket? And was it Brilliant. thirteen? He went for in four overs. Yeah, I tell you what, guys. After a little bit of a slow start, I'm really warming to Shanna. He's yeah, he's, he's the, getting he's, up to almost getting up to roll off levels. He's not quite there yet. But he's, he's, no, he's on the trajectory. There's a long way to go there. It's a long Sorry. way to go, Sorry. but he's on the trajectory. He's oh. shit or bust. You know, he, he's <laughs> when he's very, very yeah. good, when he's bad, my God. <laughs> he's horrid. He was yeah. pretty bad last night. He bowled one good over. And he. Yeah, I actually said, um, I was just saying, of course, down at Taunton when Essex were winning, March had ripped out Jimmy Neesham's off stump with a fantastic mm. Yorker. And at, at that moment, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> there was just a moment there, wasn't there, when that when he took that yeah. wicket that um it looked like we might claw our way back into it. That that was that was great. But I mean his the his other three overs were were, were dreadful. He kept firing it down the leg side. Yeah. And you know, there's you just can't cannot cannot afford to do that in T20 cricket, but especially when you're defending a, a low total. So he's, I mean, he's a lovely bloke. He's, you know, he's he's a very popular member of of the squad. Um, and I think we just have to accept that he'll have very very good days and some pretty bad ones as well. One thing I did it, notice about him, mean, not got out to that that I really cannot forgive him for. <laughs> I think you've got to take Marchant as you find him with the bat, haven't you? Oh, you can. I mean, you know, we we got Conway at, at the other end. You know, all he all he had to do was give Conway the strike, instead of which, you know, going going for glory and oh dear. But the good thing is, Anthony Devon Conway has now been fully inducted into the Somerset Hall of Pain, hasn't he? Because he's seen <laughs> yeah. both both ends of the spectrum in the space of yeah, twenty four hours. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't have set it up better to say, right, Devin, this is your primer on what Somerset cricket is all about. From the sublime on Monday to the ridiculous on Tuesday. Yeah. 
<laughs> just one final point about Shanna. Um, one thing you don't notice on the live streams and on the radio and on the TVs is the out cricket of these guys. And I was sat on Gimlet Hill on Friday night with my little boy, courtesy of Trade Nation. Oh, sure. God. Product placement <laughs> time. Yeah. I'm sat here in my bright orange Trade Nation cap. So I've not had my iPad yet or my cider, but uh, I live in hope. It should be in a few days. Um, but anyway, so Shannon comes down t- to fine leg um, and just stands in front of us. And, of course, this is just after he's finished his that uh, four overs uh, spell for 13. It's obviously, you know, a, you know, crowd are applauding him. He's applauding back, giving it a thumbs up. And then he just turns around and you can just see him just just looking around the field, making sure the field of restrictions are being um, uh, adhered to, that we've got the right number in the circle and out of the circle. And then so he's at, he's at filing. Then he just shouts across to Lamanby at, at deep square leg, Lammers, and he just gives it a little symbol, get, get back on the rope. And I think this was you know the last or the second to last over. So just really good to see that he's not just you know your typical quote-unquote overseas. He is... He's alert and he's he's thinking like a team man. So uh, keep he's it up, Shanna. You are near. You this are, is very distracting, yeah. listeners, because not only have we got this garish orange baseball cap looking at us. It's not garish, Steve. Shoulder, it's not garish. I've not had my prizes yet. It's not garish. Over the and it shoulder, never will be. Over the shoulder. If if Abby Slade could watch this, she'd be in heaven because Colin de Grandon's bowling at Surrey at the moment, <laughs> and that would make her very happy as well. So. It's quite uh, quite hard to concentrate, and I'm I'm ignoring Andy Murray on the telly at the moment. Everyone, so you well, know. Sorry, are sixty five for one uh, with the eight uh, the ninth over just about to start. Smith is on twenty nine. I can't work out whether that's eighteen or ten balls. The quality of the stream from the uh, the Hampshire Bowl is uh, pretty awful. Oh wait, we're not we're not ICC sponsored. It's the Aegeus Bowl. Just one final thought about about Essex, and and you've been very complimentary, and thank you about you know the club and the organisation of the getting at least some crowds into some of these games at Taunton. But the number of people that could get into the Essex ground was minuscule, mm. Um, mm. and uh, there was zero uh, atmosphere. And normally at Chelmsford, under the lights, mm. it absolutely yeah. rocks. And 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 I think they told me that they were allowed. 800 people in and wow. 350 of them are corporate hospitality of one kind or another so if you're an essex fan you're incredibly frustrated at the moment now yeah. they'll say that's they'll say that's public health england and 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 really difficult negotiations and it's a tight ground in terms of the kind mm. of spaces mm. behind some of the stats nevertheless i think you know somerset have really gone the extra mile to try and get as many supporters into some of these games as uh, as they can and 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 you don't always kind of see that um as a as a as a supporter because we would all of course love to see the grounds mm. packed and some of the rules and regulations and inconsistencies between what's going on with the football and what's going on in county cricket and all of that you know we can we can moan about that till the cows come home but but uh the contrast between the atmosphere that's being generated at taunton at the moment and the atmosphere that they can generate at um at essex is like chalk and cheese oh. i put it down to the football why the crowd was so low last night but it's just literally that no, it wasn't. No. they couldn't get any more in it's because of the narrow gap behind one of the stands on the far side far side of the ground and it is very tight over that side well, of the ground because i've been there several people are, times people are outside wearing masks oh anthony i know 
I know, but I'm just saying you can understand. No, no example of coronavirus being passed under under those circumstances in this country during the entire course of the epidemic is completely mad, and I feel mm. very sorry for Essex. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't. It must, it must have cost them tens of thousands of pounds. Yeah. You mm. know, the fact that they're only allowed effectively about 500 supporters were there last night, and it was it was a shame. And as Peter said. It, it didn't. It didn't help the atmosphere of the game, uh, you know, at all. I thought it was. It was. It was a real shame. It wasn't much better at Kent. It was a bit better at Kent on on Monday. But I've I've yet to be at a ground that has during the coronavirus, you know, the recovery period that has the atmosphere of the county ground at Taunton. And I agree with Peter. I think the, the club have done a great job in, uh, uh, and and I think the, the local health officials have done a great job as well. And I think they've worked really well together to get as yeah. many people into the ground. As, as we reasonably can and it has created a, a great atmosphere especially with the retirement you know all the hundreds of people in the retirement apartments yeah. as well you know, yeah yeah it's, it's, it's great Se seamless experience as well going in um everything's well signposted all the one-way systems not sometimes not quite adhered to as a hundred percent but uh yeah i think so i saw i just it twigged into my into my head when i was um there the other day that every other seat has got either a green tick or a red cross sticker on it and someone has had to go and put all of those stickers mm. on all of those seats mm. someone has spent a work day going peel stick peel stick so whoever that when was I, when i've buy been you a down in the last in the last few weeks on two occasions i've parked because i always work on the principle if i can park in the county ground i will because i'd rather give gordon hollins and co my three pound fifty than taunton dean borough council and I parked in there, and you know it's a shame the stragglers hasn't been open because that's another coffee I could have had to keep me going. But it's open it's some. High... It's open some. Yeah, takeaway. I think it's open. Yeah, I've just I've just been naught for four, as they say in America so far. But you can see what's going on, and you know you see Ben Warren skipping by or Spencer rushing past or other people there, and it it must be a gargantuan effort, not just what you said, Ian, about. Mm the seats but every single thing has had to be rethought and re-engineered and you know it, it enormous and anthony obviously has been there when it was incredibly restricted and it's gradually easing for him etc but each one of those steps involves rethinking something i think they have to go and re-sanitize every seat every night in a four-day game they have to go well, you watch sanitize all the seats you watch Wimbledon, and I think they're having 30 minutes between games because they've got to sanitise the umpire's chair and all the line judges' stuff and all of that, you know. So it just shows it's a huge effort, a huge effort. So well well done, you know. There's, there's too many people jump on and criticise, and it, it, does, it does wind me up a lot when I see that. I, I sometimes disengage from social media for significant chunks of time and i say that because everyone's doing their best and it's incredibly difficult at the moment mm -hmm. yeah on which note i'm going to love you and leave you and just pass on toppers is deep love and affection certainly to steve <laughs> and, to, uh, <laughs> and he's looking forward he's looking forward to seeing us he says pr probably more likely against surrey rather than against essex i think yes <laughs> Anthony, just finally, I was working late last night and I had your commentary on on the radio. And when he said it, I shrieked and Debbie came running up the stairs because she thought I'd hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened? And I just, I just went, I've had an unsolicited name check from the essence of content. So, yeah, yeah.
go, anyway. I always say, go well, Anthony. Enjoy Bristol yep. tomorrow, and hopefully Jack Leach will play for you tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully tomorrow yep. we will, at last, at, at Bristol, I sincerely hope yes. so. Well, we slay the demon of Canterbury. Let's hope we slay the demon of the worst cricket ground in the known universe uh, tomorrow night <laughs> up at Bristol against the Gloucesters. Anthony, great to have you on again. As always, we'll yeah. catch you uh, after the uh, after the Leicester game next week. Indeed, a big game. Absolutely big game. massive game. Um, so moving on then to the massive Leicester game, and in between that, we have two back-to-back T Twenty games. And this didn't quite twig to me when I was sort of looking at the the fixtures earlier on in the season, but my God, they bollocked up this lot of fixtures. It's mm. horrendous. I counted. Mm. We change format five times. We go from Championship to T20 to Championship to T20 to Championship back to T20. Mm. When we could have just played all the Championship in one block... Or played all the T20s in one block after the championship and then played two championship games. We've got a maximum of one day off between games, including switching format. How has this been allowed to happen? Uh, We mentioned a few episodes ago, the the occasion last year where in the middle of the T20 in 2019, we had a four-day game at Edgbaston. We always seem to Which was great because... That was the game Jamie Overton decided it was still a T20 game and biffed 100-odd in no time at all. But I, I actually have come round to the fact it doesn't seem to affect the players because when I was a kid, my dad used to obsess about you'd play a championship game on the Saturday. So you'd off, you'd play Northants in Taunton on a Saturday and then Northants would be at Hove and we'd be at Canterbury in the John Player League on Sunday. And then you'd be back at Taunton to resume the championship game on the Monday. And do you remember John Player League games? But then I, I think it was universally agreed yard. that that was a bad idea, Stephen. <laughs> they stopped doing it. So Yeah, yeah. I know. But it, that was happening every week of the season, Ian, from the end of April until the end of, end of August. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's somewhere it's inbuilt in the DNA of the ECB that we've got to have these format changes. What I was saying is I don't think the Tom Abels and... James Hildress of this world, it actually bothers them too much. I think they just, they, you know, Devon Conway's come out of a six-day World Test Championship and played T20 like he's been playing it the whole campaign, you know. Mm. Just fantastic. So I, I don't think it's that much of a problem, to be honest. What do you think, Peter? I mean, it, it, it just seems... there's. I don't uh, think there's enough... Yeah. There's just not enough time off between these games, is there? It, I mean, it's a, the, the whole timetabling of all this cricket is extraordinarily difficult, isn't it? I mean, I think that the players, given the option, prefer to play the games in blocks, to have a format of one block and then a format of another block. Um, as, a, as a fan, um, four games in five days or, or whatever it is, never mind the players, is a real stretch, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, to have, from from, from my point of view... It just about worked out okay from weather and work commitments and so on to be able to go to the Oval on a Wednesday, Canterbury on a Monday and Chelmsford on a Tuesday. But there'd be a lot of people for whom that would be um, completely impossible. I and mean, certainly people wouldn't babble all that uh, all that way. So um, I, I really, I, I liked the rhythm of the 
of the games being on particular days. If you, if you live in and around London, Thursday nights was Lords, Friday nights were the Oval, and then you'd have mm-hmm. the Summer Set match um, in, in between. And it took on a kind of predictability, and you could organise with your mates and so on and go and watch a bit of cricket, and you'd know that there'd be a game, and, and that's where it would be, and, and, and the atmosphere would go according. And all that seems to have gone out of the window, and, and now you've no idea in the T20, you know, what day of the week it is or where or when and who's playing what. And the live streams help because it's there's always something to watch, isn't there? As, as we can see over your shoulder. But, um, yeah, for I think for the players it's difficult and I think for the for the watching spectator it's, it's difficult as well, casual and regular. It's been exhaustive watching Somerset these last, this last sort of week or so. And it's going to get... Well, I don't think my, my wife genuinely doesn't believe me when when I tell her that Somerset are playing again tomorrow night and then again on Friday night and then we're going up on Sunday. It's just mad. Another thing that I noticed as well is there is a T20 in between these games, hmm. and the two teams that aren't playing are Middlesex and Leicester because if you have two groups of nine, not everybody can play. It's just it's just the way the maths works. If that was Gloucester and Hampshire that weren't playing, I know it wouldn't be Gloucester and Hampshire because they're they'd be in the same group and it doesn't work that way. But hypothetically, that could have a massive impact on the mm-hmm. county championship having that that mm. day's rest, and not having to worry about that T Twenty mm-hmm. game. It it just surprises me that this even got past the first draft stage. But hey, oh, it's the ECB, and of course, we all know why these fixtures are crammed together because you can't have more than 200 games on one day oh no sir we've got uh, yeah I think 200 games is the most they have on one day at a time whereas uh, you can that's tr- probably Super Wednesday or something is it they'll mark oh, it that know. as we've got um, oh they are Saturdays and Sundays when you've you got can watch the women's games, game and the men's game on the same day that is a good that is a good thing. Mm. They're bringing the fixtures together, and uh, well, I, I loved it when they did it with the Kia Super League and the Blast. Mm. I think, I think, I think they did do it very... one day last at the weekend. I think there was a double header in. I think at Edgbaston. I'm pretty sure there was a, a game at Edgbaston for the ladies and the men. Yeah. Yeah, Central Sparks played Vipers. Birmingham Bears Burnham and then Central Sparks. Yeah. Mm. Sad the things your brain retains at this time of the season. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, anybody else want to have a rant about the fixtures or or just me? Just think it's crazy that you go. Mm. You've got a day to not just a day's rest, but a day to to switch formats as well. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, where are we up to? So, let's talk broadly then about the selection for these next two T20s and the Leicestershire Championship game. If you emailed the Somerset membership with a poll and saying you have two choices, which trophy do you want us to prioritise in the next few weeks? I predict you would get uh, 99.999% saying the County Championship and the only vote you'd get for the T20 would be because somebody had pressed the wrong button. So, Wanless and Tancock and I suppose Shepherd 
are replacing Messrs Kerr, Hurry and Hollins to select these sides. What are we going to do? Well, I, I came at this, Ian, from picking my team for Sunday and then worked back from that. So I've gone Conway Davis-Smead, Byram, Centurion Eddie Byram, mm -hmm. if Hildy's not fit. Yeah. Bartlett Banton. Did you have Smead and in then there, there's a yeah, Smeed's okay. batting three. Yeah. And then I think you're going to pick one of Banton, Goldsworthy and Delanger. Okay. Yeah. So it depends on the pitch because Jack Leach is going to play and if he's fit, Josh Davey will play. So with Gregory at eight and Overton at nine, that's your bottom four in the order. So at the yeah. moment in my team, I've got Goldsworthy at seven, but that could shift with Gregory and Overton moving up one. And Marchant coming in in the lower order. Okay. So I've I've done I've done twelve because I don't know what the conditions are going to be like, and you know if it's going to be damp, probably you don't want two spinners. Yeah. So you probably then go, you know, you're choosing Banton or Goldsworthy just for the batting, maybe. Now once you once you've got that and you work back. Mm -hmm. Lewis Gregory and Craig Overton will play the remaining blast games because they will. Josh Davey, I think, should be wrapped up in cotton wool. Yeah, I picked Jack Brooks because I reckon he's done okay, <laughs> and mm -hmm. actually, actually, I think exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Um, I would actually give Bartlett a game, not just because I love George Bartlett as much as Dan loves mm -hmm. Eddie Byron, but I think. Middle time would be important, and he's not playing in the second eleven game that's going on at the moment. Yeah. So, and I'd probably give Jack Leach a game at Bristol tomorrow because I think I'd probably play Maxi and Lewis Goldsworthy as well at Bristol. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think there needs to be that much changing. I'd, I'd still like to see Casey Aldridge given a game in the next two, even against Middlesex. Um, I suppose the game for resting is going to be that game between the two championship games which is we're down at the Aegeus Bowl against Hampshire for that one on mm. on the Friday night so if you've got Craig over and unwilling to uh, to let the ball mm. be taken out of his hand and maybe bowling 30 overs in a day twice he's going to want to put his feet yeah. up for that one I, but I think I think, and I hate to be pessimistic, but looking at the weather forecast, I think the Somerset squad are going to be pretty fresh going down to Hampshire because I don't think we're going to get much play. The, the weather, it's not just that it's going to rain, but it's persistent and quite heavy rain most of the days according to the various weather apps that I've consulted from Saturday onwards in Taunton. So, you know, that's, that's not ideal because theoretically we should beat Leicestershire and cement our place in Division 1. But, there's too many unknowns at the moment, guys, for me. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, forecast is pretty dire for uh, for Sunday and Taunton on the Met Office. Uh, Peter, who are you bringing in and leaving out? I, I haven't I haven't done my homework. Um, <laughs> not being a regular, so I haven't written. Oh, we don't do homework. Like we just we team. just do it on the fly. I've just written. Uh, I do. Well, uh, I do. well, I would. Um, <laughs> is is um, is Marcus Harris still with Leicestershire? He is. I think he got um, a few in the second eleven this week. They're, a, I mean, they're a strong batting side, aren't they? So I think that under any conditions, we've got to prioritise our our bowling. Um, and I think we can score runs against their 
against their batting. So I'd agree with a lot of what Steve was saying about um, ensuring that Davy is fit and ready for that uh, for that game. Um, yeah, I think that's all I've got to all I've got to add. Really, it, Ham- Hampshire are having a pretty poor T Twenty time, aren't they? And the, and there'll still be a sort of stake for them in um, qualifying for the. Mm. Uh, for the first mm-hmm. division, so so their minds may not be totally on the the T Twenty either. Um, I I do think it's vitally important that we um, not only prioritise um, the county championship for because we want to win it, <laughs> please, um, but also we want to be in Division One, don't we? I mean, I think this format works and is exciting. While you've got a prospect of being in um, uh, the top division. And uh, if the second half of the county championship season is second division matches, it doesn't have quite the same allure or excitement, does it? Mm. So the stakes are really high in these in Leicester yes. and Surrey games to um, even before we um, contemplate winning the whole thing, ensuring that we get to play uh, meaningful cricket uh, in the second half of this competition and not just in the first. Mm. So it seems like a while since we've uh, had the group two table uh, refreshed in our memories. So Somerset are top, uh, played eight hundred nineteen points. The Gloucesters are in second, played eight one hundred nine. Hampshire in third, eight points. Uh, sorry, played eight one hundred eight points. Surrey are in fourth, uh, one hundred one points. Leicester in fifth with ninety three. Middlesex are bottom with 60. Everybody's played eight in that group. And your fixtures for uh, Sunday. Gloucester against Middlesex. That one's up at Cheltenham. Uh, Hampshire against Surrey at the Aegeus Bowl. And, of course, Somerset against Leicestershire at the Cooper Associates County Ground. Uh, My team, for what it's worth, uh, Byram and Davis. I've been... I'm... Tempted to bring Lamanby in based on how he looks in these next two games. If he looks a million bucks in these next two games, I'm picking him. If he plays a bit of a bit of an iffy shot like he did last night against Essex, I think maybe uh, leave him. So yeah, going Byron Davis, uh, Bartlett and Smead at three and four. Not sure which round there, no. which way around there. Conway, going. Conway. Oh, I forgot Devin Conway. Oh, oh, now this is this oh. is. Uh, this has really put the cat amongst the pigeons now. <laughs> as 12, you can see, 12. as you can see, Peter, some of us do our homework. Conway, it's this Trade Nation cap. It's restricted the uh, yep. blood flow to my yep. brain. Blood flow. Ah, oh, right. What do we do now then? Okay. Well, I'm probably leaving. <laughs> I'm probably leaving Smeed out then. Sorry, Will. Conway three. You can actually see Ian's brain. No, right. On Hold on. Right. Byram and Conway opening. Bartlett three. I uh, can't have Conway at four again, so I'm going to put uh, Little Lewis at four, uh, and then uh, Banter. This at is five. how the South Devon Cricket Club batting order comes together. Have I said Bartlett yet? Probably. Byron, Byron, right, Byron, Conway, Bartlett, Little Lewis, Banton, Davis. Overton, Big Lewis, Delanger, Leach, and Davy. There we go. Caught there in the end. 
So you're not picking Will Smead? He's impressed me. Um, he looked really good at the Oval, and then I thought he looked even better against Hampshire. Uh, and then he hasn't quite. He, what, did, what, happened, what did he get last night? About half a dozen. You, you'd like actually that? pick Byram and or Lamanby ahead of Smead, would you? Potentially, if Tom Lamanby looks a million bucks in these next two games. Okay. Because I think it's I yeah. think it's all upstairs with Lammers. I think if he comes out and he he just his mindset is right and everything is is looking mm. positive oh, about him, undoubtedly. Him but I'm, you, I'm all for picking I'm, I'm all picking people who are in form and Smith's clearly in form mm. and is impressing. He's he showed a different dimension. You know, I, I mean, I think it's absolutely wonderful that you've got Lewis Goldsworth, who's now an automatic on all our minds. And now Smead's pushing for a place, you know, and you've got Lamaby, who was last year's superstar, maybe under pressure, you know. Mm. And you've got Adrian most Hill counties, to most counties well. Yeah, most counties wouldn't leave Tom Banton out of their side under any circumstances. And we're saying, oh, does he play? No. One he... thing I would say, guys, this is, this is me channeling my inner Dan again, but I looked at Eddie Byron's wagon wheel on the, the ECB app earlier, and I'd say 85% of his runs were between second slip and backward point. Now, I know it's the second 11 game, but that that worries me in championship cricket. Is that 100% right? Or, I don't know, were they having a bit of a glitch? No, uh, I, I, I looked at a couple of others yeah. and I thought they looked quite reasonable. Okay. My gunman will correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that, that looked to me like it was a... Not a, not a technique that I would guarantee to score runs in the championship. Bowling log ups at him and he keeps cutting him for four. Hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Jamie Overton's going to bowl lob ups at him at the Oval in a couple of weeks' time, right? Should we do some listeners' questions? We're only, <laughs> we're only 45 <laughs> I've minutes in. I've worn Ian down on that selection, Peter. We're only 50 minutes in. <laughs> right, oh, we've probably done them all already, but we'll start again. Um... Oh, good. Oh, good. Da, 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 da. Right. Uh, Lord Lupin, his lordship writes, Middle order, what went wrong? Abel sorely missed. I don't, I don't know. What did go wrong? Cricket teams what, have bad T20, days. It's T20 cricket. Yorkshire being bowled yeah. black for 81 tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It happens. You know, it's... I, I keep saying about it, it's in baseball. That's why they play 162 games a season. Because you get obliterated 14-1 the next night and then go and win 10-2 the night after. You know, it, it's the shorter the format, the more likely it's going to happen. I think there's something uh, about um, we're about batting first versus batting second as well. Um, uh, when when you're batting second and you can see the DLS on the scoreboard, um, you can pace yourselves. And I think sometimes uh, maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to know what was a good score on that. On that pitch, I mean, I know it's conventional wisdom now, and Anthony expressed it very strongly that you know we should have had 180, and Jason Kerr thought we should have had 180, but there were people there who thought 150 um, was good enough, and maybe in pushing in pushing for a bit more, um, we threw things away too quickly. So um, mm. I don't know. And Harmer is going to take three wickets in and over every night. Yeah, he's the sort of bowler that can do that yeah. to you, unfortunately. I did notice Conway as well last night. When the collapse started, we were about 110 for two, I think. 
Lewis Goldsworthy had just started taking it on, and Conway was 40, not out of about 37 balls. So he would, he seemed to be playing within himself. Now I've not seen much of of Conway, um, certainly in T20 cricket. I don't know if you guys have, but he doesn't strike me as a real six hitter, a real a ramper and a scooper and, a, and an AB Tom Banton, Josh Butler, three sixty degrees player. He's a he's a Neil Fairbrother, a Michael Bevan type player. I think that mm. you look up and all of a sudden he's got thirty off twenty yeah. balls with four fours and a six or something. I don't think he's not going to do a Banton, but he's going to get you solid runs. He's got a very high 25 to 50 conversion mm. rate. You know, and it, it was criminal because the others could have batted around him. Yeah. Yeah. Last night. And he clearly he clearly read the pitch and thought, if I bat through and get 70, yeah. we're going to be in a good place here. And it just defies belief that nobody else did and it didn't get picked up. But hey. I really want to see how he goes when he's on a nice road in bright sunshine. I want to see how he how he takes it to the bowlers on a on a nice flat pitch, not uh, you know on a dark night, rainy night in Chelmsford. But I do I do around. think he's he's I want to say he's a bit like Peter Denning. He's not like Peter Denning in the way he bats, but Peter Denning often you know in that great Somerset side that I grew up watching, you know you'd be conscious that Richards was already on forty odd. Denning at the other end would suddenly be at 50. And you'd go, and I can remember my dad turning to me and saying, where did that 50 come from? He's only played three shots in the last hour. But he, he just had that ability to keep the scoreboard moving. And I think Conway's, Conway's like runs by stealth almost. And you suddenly look up and see he's on 80. That's what happened in the test match, that first test. All of a sudden, wow. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got 100. And it's a really, really great knack to have. The running between the wickets, Banton and Conway at Kent, was phenomenal as well. I mean, mm. they they were putting the pressure on the fielders, and many many times the Kent fielders were fumbling it, and they were they were taking a single, and there were very few balls. So as, as well as the fantastic hitting um, from mm. Banton, that the, their understanding and their willing to willingness to pressure the field, uh, that that was in stark contrast to how we batted the following day at. Essex actually, where Essex's running was much better than ours, and they were turning ones into twos, and um, you know all the balls seemed to be landing in slightly the wrong place for for us. So Conway as well does look to have that ability, where instead of just playing a, a regulation forward defensive shot, he's got that one where he can just angle mm -hmm. the bat and drop yeah. it and drop it sort of to backward point gully area. He, he did that a lot mm. um, in the Kent and Essex games which is uh, a very, very underrated skill in T20 batting, being able to turn dots into ones, and as you say, Peter, turn ones into twos, twos into threes, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Rawls has corresponded, been on my mind for a couple of seasons, how and why do we manage to pick up so many injuries, especially to batsmen? Well, without being rude, I think Hildy's getting a little bit old, and you are more and more likely to... Pick up these injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, last season, it was Eddie Byram in uh, Eddie Byram calling him through for a a single that wasn't there, and now we've got the enigmatic hip injury. So I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, 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 I saw that and thought I, could, I was racking my brains and thinking, you know, I actually don't think it's as bad 
um, as as that question implies. Sorry, if I'm Jordan, if I'm wrong. I, I was thinking but, the same thing. Our in, our injury record has been pretty good over the last mm. sort of three or four years. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure it's any worse than anyone else's. We need a Dan Kingdom spreadsheet, I think. <laughs> And return to this question: well, Is Tom, Somerset's injury uh, profile um, markedly out of line from the other counties? We'll have a tab on cricket archive, Peter. Don't worry. Top of my head, I think Hildy was the only one we had last year that was of any significance. There might have been people missing the old game. I mean, game. J- Jamie Overton. Yeah, I was just going to say Jamie Overton was the big one. Yeah, J- Jamie Blessing between 2015 and 2018 had a horrendous run of injuries, mm. but Jack- that. That can finger, happen to a player. That's not across the squad. You know, it's it's when you've got five people with muscular injuries in the squad that you start to worry. Jack mm. Brooks had injuries last year, didn't he? he had his yeah because he oh, had Ollie that, Sales got a bad. Sh- is it Ollie, shoulder for Ollie Sales? Ollie Sales done both his shoulders. Both I his shoulders. Oh, he yeah, he okay. did start bowling left arm to try and get back in the side and do that one as well, did he? <laughs> no, I think it's that's a repetitive strain injury from the video camera. Oh right, yeah, doing the clapperboard. Uh, in answer to your question Jordan we don't know there we go Andy Cleave what do you put down as a main reason for the middle order collapse and brainless shot selection last night <laughs> just an experience with Devon Conway going well you think the message is clear to support him and give ourselves a chance going into the last two overs I think we've kind of answered that one all uh, we've all been already. we've all played yeah. cricket and been in teams where collapses happen yeah. and once a couple of wickets go you know in club cricket it's a self-fulfilling prophecy absolutely you know, I've been lucky enough to be bowling when that's happened to the other side at times and it's lovely because you know if you just bowl a straight ball you're going to get a wicket mm-hmm. and I think it was one of those you know that's yeah uh, oh Andy uh, Andy's uh, done a thread looking ahead to Leicester on Sunday has Anthony heard whether Hildreth will be fit for that I think it's probably unlikely that he will be uh, would you like to see Smead get his opportunity yes I probably would like to see um, Smead get his opportunity but I don't think oh no we've got to go back and rethink <laughs> your team now oh, I, th- no. I said I would but I don't stop, think stop, I don't stop, think no, I can get him into this team yeah. Yeah. D- Dan usually picks 14 doesn't he so Ian, Ian put Put Smead in and put a couple oh. of others in, and we'll have 14. I'll put Smead 12, Smead 13, <laughs> Tractor 14, Ben Warren. I'll keep going. I'll put myself in as 15. Right. Back to serious things. Uh, Ian M. This is quite a good question, actually. Given that he's on a T20 contract only, why does Max not play in the various franchise leagues around the world? Wouldn't that further his development as a bowler? I think he's 31 now, so I don't think his development is necessarily going to get get any better but it's generally it's quite a good question because mm. he goes over to South Africa um, most winters does Max I think he plays quite high level club cricket it's not it's not the franchise cricket is it it's he's a no. pro for a club down there but I think he's gone under the radar beyond Somerset to be honest yeah agreed Perhaps the 100 will be his great opportunity to showcase his skills to an international audience. Peter, you are officially barred from this podcast on your... F- not even 100% of the way through your first appearance for praising the 100. <laughs> I, I, I could phrase that another way, which is perhaps it's because he plays for Somerset when no one goes to look for talent that he's gone under the radar. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I do agree with you to a degree about the 100 because 
Uh, we said a couple of weeks ago, Max is he's almost a talisman and a figurehead for that T20 side. He's he's just synonymous with with T20 cricket at at, Sur at, at, at Somerset. And when when he's doing well, the team generally does well. And when he has a poor game, as he did in the first games against Surrey and Essex, and the team generally generally does poorly as well. But it's strange because they do it all. It's all money ball, whatever it is they call it, when they're looking at the stats mm -hmm. and they're looking at well, who's who's bowling economically at high scoring grounds. Max Waller going at you know seven and a half and over in his career at Taunton. You think well, yeah. if he's going at seven and a half and over in a at a ground where ten and over is par, maybe we should have a look at this guy. But it is a bit of a mystery. Maybe Gibbo might get, uh, get to see him in the Abu Dhabi T10 next year. Because <laughs> I, I think he'd be great in that. Ah, okay. Uh, this one here from Peter Wanless. Let me know if you'd like input from a roving southeast reporter of the view from the committee room <laughs> in Surrey, Kent and Essex. What are the committee rooms like in Surrey, Kent and Essex? Because we, we always sit here on the podcast right. and we kind of, oh, some yeah. set of rubbish again. Oh, we can't bat. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> Is is the grass greener on the other side, or is everybody just as miserable as us? Oh, everyone is. Everyone is miserable, um, and and things, especially in T Twenty. Yeah. Well, apart from Kent, Kent were in great spirits, but then they always set off like a train in this competition, and always explode um, in in the final few fixtures. So, um, although they were kind of riding high and confident of beating Somerset at Canterbury because they always do and it's become a bit of a kind of running joke I go down with my son and he was born in Kent and he quite often wears his Spitfire shirt and uh, so I'm the only Somerset supporter literally despite him allegedly representing uh, our county um, so it was very very sweet when we won on on on, on Monday night Essex I say they were they're, they're very disappointed uh, about the quality of their batting especially in this um uh, in this competition and all these comments about collapses and brainless and all the rest of it and and lots of players who can get 20 or 30 but can't compile the beginnings sorry uh i mean they were they were confident and again i mean i expected us to get tonked um, at, the, <laughs> at, at the oval given what i'd seen um at uh at taunton and also at lords but um yeah we played we played extremely well so you know i think their fans like everyone else in terms of committee rooms Surrey is the one to get into if you want to be invited anywhere get yourself an invite into the the long room at Surrey because it's it's spectacular um, the food is uh, extraordinary um, the company is very good the view is excellent I mean Lords has the best cuisine but no view of the cricket which is ludicrous isn't it really <laughs> um, uh, and uh, uh, Essex, Sussex, Kent, they're, they're more of sort of homely uh, sort of ground um, and sort of friendly, uh, yeah, friendly just, hospitality of the kind that Somerset offers. I just pictured the Essex committee just being like turning up in their fake tans and their, and their shell suits <laughs> in their souped up Ford Coursers, uh, Ford, Vauxhall Coursers or Ford Focuses and sitting in the car park. Is it is it's, it is it like is it like Towie in the Essex yeah, committee room? I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna be drawn on that. <laughs> uh David Ackfield is always there and All right. uh, has plenty of uh wisdom to offer about uh games through the through the ages and I don't think that you could ever 
suggest that he had a kind of <laughs> fake tan and a uh, and a Ford Cortina or whatever. So I'm, I'm, there are all kinds of people. I'm sure David's on the Essex podcast as we speak, and they go, Saturday, they all like turn up in their tractors at the Taunton Committee room, then David, and they all got their straw rats on the there singing the, the words. Yeah. Ian, I actually got, and I'm not going to say the pub or the, even the town, but one evening last week, in the space of five minutes, I got called a grockle and a yokel. A which I was and really. And the yokel. Yeah, in the space of five minutes. That's the Devonian going on holiday in Devon. So I, when I went up I, to North well, Devon, the, the joy was a few weeks the joy ago. was I was able to quietly walk past the person who said grockle and went Taunton born, Taunton bred. Thank you very much. Which so where, sort of where, whereabouts did you go? Just rough, rough not areas. Just rough areas, Steve. In the southwest. I'm not in gonna, the southwest. Uh, Cornwall, Devon. We had a fabulous fabulous time and it was great but you can at no, least name I, the at least name the county steve no no i um I, I wouldn't do it but we had a fabulous time but it it made me so happy to be called a yokel and a grockle in the space of five minutes i was i think it was because i was actually had something smart on rather than the somerset training top that probably meant that somebody thought i was a bit posher than i am so oh fair enough right uh, moving on then, moving on, moving on, moving on. Da, 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 da. I did see one about James Hildreth and his lack of runs. Are we gonna? Yes. Are we gonna dip our toe into this heresy of potentially leaving James Hildreth out in the near future? Or he's turning the corner, isn't he? We hope so. Uh, mm. Batted. He has batted well in opening the batting in the T twenties. But I think we all want to see Hildy ah. score some serious red ball runs in September. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I sort of don't want to have the Truscothic in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen thought yet. But it's it's percolating. Yeah. I mean Marcus had a really bad run before he packed up midway mm. through twenty eight uh it was twenty eighteen, wasn't it? Was it twenty nineteen? No, twenty nineteen. Yeah. 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 The last game of the season in twenty eighteen at home to Surrey when Morning Morkel did him twice and I was like it was so sad. So sad. Um I don't think we're there yet with Hildy. I think there's a couple more great years to come. But do you know what? If he didn't score another run for Somerset He's still going to be in a hundred years' time. He will be up there amongst the very, very best that ever played for the county. And absolutely, <laughs> you can't you can't take that away from him. And you know, you've got to those of us who were lucky enough to see Botham and Richards and Garner and Rose and Denning and Roebuck and all those through the years. Mm-hmm. You treasure them while you've got them because they're a long time gone and a long time missed. Steve, you you and I are of a sort of similar vintage and both deeply influenced by our fathers being huge Somerset uh, mm-hmm. fans. And, and I wonder if you feel like me about Hildreth. So I remember sitting with my dad, who died in 2016, um, at, and watching Hildreth score 100. So, so Hildreth is a connection with my father yep. and the yes. club at Taunton and so I kind of that's an emotional reason for me wanting him to to continue mm. I wonder if you've got the same sort of bridge to yeah yeah I mean there's there's only if if my dad was here now and he read that team sheet that I've put down the only names on there he would recognize would be Hildreth and Gregory I think 
because he died in early 2015 right. but bless him bless him the 2014 season passed him by to a large extent so Craig Overton wasn't really he was in the in and out of the side at that time Jack Leach was still at Cardiff so yeah I'm, I'm yeah that's a really really good point there were these these connections aren't there these threads mm. and I wrote the piece last year when he got 100 at Taunton and I said I could almost imagine sitting there with dad watching it on market day with the market still being there and the farmers looking over the bridge and it's those sorts of yeah. you know and Ian in 20 or 30 years time when your mm. son's doing this podcast and he's talking about you know you and he watched Will Smead together <laughs> or you know that's that's how it is for us I've, I think it's going to be my daughter I think my son's too interested in Minecraft but I think Layla's going to be the sporty one. Once once he gets that Trade Nation baseball cap on, he'll turn him down. No, he was wearing it quite... We only got one between us, to be fair. I'll talk of the devil. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> son, who should, by all rights, be in bed, has just wandered into... Uh, oh, what is now officially called the Roloff van der Merwe Pavilion. Right, OK. <laughs> it's my man cave in the garden. I've got the Somerset bar which I've just finished this week, which I'm keeping for my streaming style for Friday night. Yeah. yeah, hashtag okay, streaming style wait. on the Somerset bar, so that will all be can't revealed wait. in the in the week. Uh, right, oh, let's try and wrap this up. Uh, one from Chris Payne. Given the mix of top four in the blast, we carry on full strength or perhaps the key championship players in cotton wool. Uh, I think we've covered that. Um, just a little addendum to that was, plus with Abel more than likely out, is Lamanby a good enough fourth seamer? I think we've that was a good point, mm. a really good point, because I'd written my side out, which doesn't include Tom Lamanby, and then I thought, oh, that's a really good point, because you've got Davy Overton, Gregory, and that's why I then said you've got to have either Delanger oh. plus Leach. You're probably going to need four seamers, I think, given the conditions. So that's a really good point, and that might be a mm-hmm. might be Lamanby for Goldsworthy, either if the mercurial merchant... Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's yeah. worth picking Marchant just for the fact he fries Anthony's brain so much <laughs> on commentary. Yeah, what have I got in my side? So I've got Davy. Well, I've got I've got the, I've got the four seamers in my side anyway. So I've got you've oh, got six seamers, three spinners, two wicket keepers, and eight batsmen there. Covering so. all bases, Steve. Covering all bases. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Da 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 da. Oh, good question from the chairman of the California supporters branch of Somerset County Cricket Club, Anli Zhang. Uh, what type of pitch would you prepare for the Leicester game? Waterproof one, I should imagine. Mm-hmm. Forecast yeah, I, is not good. I, well, as I say, I, I think it's one that we've got to be able to... Well, other things being equal, it's got to be one that we can take 20 wickets on, I think, mm-hmm. and place to our, to our bowlers. So, so that, that's my kind of straight answer. There's a little bit of me that thinks that given the, where the weather's around and all the rest of it, two draws would probably be good enough for mm-hmm. us. That, that Hampshire-Surrey game is important, isn't it? If there's no result in that, then... Um, yeah, and then it's Hampshire-Gloucester the week after. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be tr- needing to go to the Oval and get a result. No. No. No, I can I just say that I've, I've been really impressed with the championship surfaces at Taunton because we've we've obviously not had the thing that shan't be mentioned about spin issues, but I think the pitches have kept their back pace and bounce and quality longer than they used to. 
you know, Anthony said that on several occasions on this podcast about pitches going to sleep on third and fourth days. So these our pitches haven't, um, and you know, again with our seam attack on a good cricket wicket against Leicestershire, all other things being equal, you would back them to win because Absolutely. it's four days, not 20, 20 overs. Yeah, I think we difficult one but with the forecast the way it is I think we need to prepare a well, we can't go and prepare a cider a bad pitch because uh, the ECB will be hot over that uh, definitely uh, and but, their best bowler is is um, Callum Parkinson yeah he's a exactly. very good so spin bowler I would just back our seam attack to outbowl their seam attack yeah gamble a little bit yeah, completely right mm. I think that does it for the listeners' questions. One last thing I want to see, Steve. I don't think we've um, you've been on the pod since we had the membership packs through, but interesting little document came in. I had a brief little chat with Dan about it. The uh, the mem the proposed governance changes for the um, uh, the yeah. Somerset committee. Peter, I guess you'll probably be sort of all over this. Is there anything you can? Yeah. Well, tell us that isn't already in the in the document, and are you going to begin your uh, your campaign to be elected to the committee? Yeah, right here, right now. <laughs> well, I have to, mightn't I? Um, no, I th- these are these are really important changes which um, are uh, required um, by the ECB and by those who fund cricket significantly, and I think they are important changes, and they're good changes and and strong governance that has boards with a wide range of skills, including knowledge and understanding of the supporters, to my mind is vital in what are becoming multi-million pound businesses. So I think there are really good reasons for these changes from the head and actually quite a bit from the the heart as well. So I know whenever there's change, people are um, suspicious, but I hope that we can, you know, move 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 on from here and and Somerset get the uh, get uh, strong leadership um, off the pitch as well as um, uh, on the pitch, so we can protect for the members, you know, this this vital asset. And at some point, you should get Gordon Hollins uh, to come on here and talk about, you know, his vision and the club's vision for um, Somerset as a kind of centre of excellence for elite sport in the in the southwest because i think ian, there, ian and i would love to peter if only we knew a committee member who had gordon collins <laughs> in ear all right i'll, I'll, I'll make the suggestion <laughs> i so, so, i think it's a theme ian that runs through the history of somerset cricket and you and and stephen and barry would be much better place to comment on this than me but from my knowledge and whenever you read peter roebuck david for anthony's father back in the day there were always these regional committees and this this weird structure where you you sort of had to get everything agreed um and from what i read of it uh because of what i do in my working mm-hmm. life it intrigued me and interested me but i i wholeheartedly back what peter says and i think it will you know it will continue the development that let's not forget andy nash has a great deal of credit for where we are at the moment he gets forgotten a lot uh, and I think this is a logical next step. And I, I suspect that having Gordon Hollins at the helm now is a massive advantage given his his background in sports administration and the ECB over the last however many years. Yeah, I don't think there's much to be afraid of in this. It it just looks to me like it's 
streamlining the committee and believe me having served on cricket club committees for 20 years the more streamlined they are the better mm. um and yeah and just as you said peter getting the uh, uh the right people in in the right place so that should all well there's a there's a timeline in your in your pamphlet you'll um if you're wondering which pamphlet i'm talking about it's the one that you've got in your in your membership pack if you aren't a member um i guess you won't be entitled to vote so you probably wouldn't have had one of these um but basically this will all be done and dusted by the 27th of september and it gives you a a brief timeline um in that little leaflet we've done an hour and a quarter guys a record for the podcast I was, expecting, I was expecting. A, I was expecting Dan. a round of applause there, but it never came. Um, oh, I was. I was getting ready for my any other business, Ian. That was all. Go on then. Any other? Well, Hampshire. Oh, uh, sorry. One hundred and forty-six for seven. Birmingham have beaten on. Yorkshire. Birmingham have beaten Yorkshire. They chased eighty-one in eight point three overs. Well, I'll get on. That's always so, happens, doesn't it? It's a minefield first yeah. innings, and then they yeah. just go bish bash bosh and yeah. knock it off in in eight overs. Uh, Adam Hose, not out 46 of 31 balls. Remember him. Good player. Um, and I think Durham's are toasted because they're 11 for four, chasing 173 at Northampton. You never know. And that Surrey Hampshire game that you've got on, and no doubt Abby's glued to because it was certain Mr. Grondo, looks like a really good game. 146 for seven. Yeah, Hampshire have requested Come on, the, Hampshire. the light roller. Yeah, indeed. Come on, Hampshire. Come on, Hampshire. Right, um, Steve's um, Steve has fulfilled a childhood wish to read out the uh, the grandstand <laughs> the classified scores. Do we have any other business? <laughs> I've done I, mine. I'm good. I'm good. Childhood ambition fulfilled. Happy boy. Good stuff. And I, my childhood ambition of appearing on the Always Look on the Bright Side of Life podcast has also been fulfilled. So it's been a real evening of achievement. Highlight of a stellar Thank career. Thank you very much Peter. for having me on. That's Sorry, all right. I didn't have Dan's stats. Uh, Nobody uh, can do stats expertise. like Dan does stats. Do you know what, Peter? Actually, it's quite nice not to be bemused by it all for a week. God, Dan just <laughs> constantly amazes me with his knowledge. Yeah. I don't know where he gets it from. Yeah. I'm sure when he listens to this, he'll feel we haven't talked about Eddie Byram enough, but never mind. I did. I, I, did, I, did, I don't want to go I back. We did talk about Eddie Byram about the wagon wheel. Yep. Yeah, if that's not good enough for Dan, and I picked well, I'm him, sorry, and then. I picked him. Yeah. Should we see how yeah, things, things are going? Yourself, Tractor, and Gordon Holland. Well, no, that's honest, true. So. That's probably why I'm sat here doing this. Uh, England women uh, at the ground need eighty to win from eighteen point three overs. Who's in there? How many wickets Dunkley left? Dunkley and Brunt. Uh, oh, I'll lock my phone. All back. Uh, hundred, hundred, gone then. One hundred and forty-three for five off thirty-one point four. So they're making tough work Ooh. of that. That would be one of the hybrid ones, wouldn't it? On the TV pitches, maybe? I would think so. Who knows? Dan will have his predictor graphs going and his win percentage yep. and all Dan that Dan will be there. Dan is in uh, Treslower. He's been in Treslower every time uh, he's been, I think. That's always where he seems to be sitting. More of a Gimlet Hill man myself. Right, gents, shall we wrap that up? I'm sure we've all got hopes to go to. Eighty minutes, a record. Right, uh, thanks for coming on, Peter. Um, hopefully, we'll uh, thank you, Peter. be able to get you back on soon. Steve, it's good to have you back. And uh, thank you, mate. For Anthony is doing something. He's probably gone to Eli's. He popped on Facebook that Eli's is uh, is reopening today, so he's.
probably screeching down there at the minute in his car. Yeah. I think so, that's a, a fair fair bet. <laughs> okay. Well, enjoy Eli's Anthony. Um, games coming thick and fast at the moment. Uh, hopefully, see you at the county ground. Uh, but we will catch you probably now after the Leicester game, probably on Thursday night. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>